Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, today's message. Let's talk about the Word of God. I've entitled this message, uh, Your Spiritual Gift. And usually when a pastor or a speaker talks about spiritual gifts, immediately we begin to think about all the different you know, manifestations of the gifts. And, of course, when a guest speaker speaks on that, no matter how well you know him and you're the pastor, you immediately start tensing up because you don't know which direction he's going to go. Are we going to swing from the chandeliers today or what? But we don't have chandeliers. We didn't put them in this building specifically for that purpose because we knew we would. But anyway, uh, I want to talk to you about your spiritual gift. And I want to take a little bit of a different track. And in so doing, when I preach today, I'll do something I don't normally do. I'm going to pull some word uh, uh, verses out of three or four chapters and kind of focus on them rather than walking down through the verses, if that's okay. And I want to do that because I want you to catch a little different thought because this time of year, we're already thinking about gifts. I mean, he talked about the $50 gift certificate to, uh, to, to Walmart, and I got my cell phone out. I was trying to log on and get it, you know, get registered, and then I find out it's already been given away. So, you know, it's like we're all looking for how can we get something more to give because we want our gifts to really impact people, don't we? And uh, there's a real spirit of this season of giving, but there's also a spirit that kind of forces us to do more. Actually, we do more, but in doing more, we do less. We, we pile up the tree, but there's little substance. And I'm not going to attack the Christmas tree or attack giving gifts or Santa Claus or anything like that, but I want to challenge you this morning to just reach a little deeper. Uh, because, let me tell you why, because as I think about you, and I think about my life and my family, you've been a gift to us. You have been a spiritual gift. Ephesians 4, uh, verses 10 through 11, talks about God putting in the church apostles, prophets, uh, teachers, pastors, evangelists, and all those guys as a gift to the body of Christ. But there's something that we as leaders, or we as as uh, uh, those who oversee church, the church we're ministers of the church, we recognize that you are a gift to us. Without you, we're just kind of on a solo ego trip. And the reality is, preaching is the least of the things that we do. Now, it's, it's, it's important. It's a high calling. But it's the day-to-day working out life with individuals, seeing Christ formed in you through discipleship that really is the work of the ministry. Amen, Pastor? And when we see that in you, but more importantly, remember, iron sharpens iron. And all those days when we grab hold of the bed covers and we cry out to God, God! rapture me leave the church but rapture me you know do something we realize that god uses you in our lives as much as he uses us in yours somebody say thank you (laughs) and so i want to kind of just kind of push you a little bit to think about a few things and and i also want to tell you some things that god's allowed us to do because of your generosity and your prayers and giving through your 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 reach out celebration that you did this past year you took us on as a partner and significantly invested and i want to talk a little bit about that too as i'm going along so let's look in our bibles at first corinthians chapter 12 and we're going to look at verse 1. This is where the Apostle Paul, he planted these churches, and he's uh, speaking to this church. Now, the, the Corinthian church, as we understand, probably was over 100,000 members. Big deal. 
problem is they were all pagans, much like us. They'd gotten born again by the message of the gospel. God had come. The preaching had taken place. People were healed. People were delivered. But people, in the process of being transformed, had still brought a lot of their old baggage into, are you with me? And so he had a lot of things to deal with. And, and in this particular passage, he begins talking about spiritual gifts. Great. Time is always my enemy. It chases me. So, verse 1. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you be ignorant. None of us want to be ignorant. He says, but there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. Now, this word ignorant, let me just share some of my knowledge with you since I have all these. Anyway, ignorance. If you wanted to go to the original language, what you would discover is that it means ignorant, unlearned, untaught, in the dark. So Paul says, I don't want you to be unlearned. I don't want you to be confused. I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be in the dark about spiritual gifts. There are lots of different kinds of spiritual gifts. In this particular chapter, he talks about 12. In Romans, he talks about about 12 more. We look through the verses in Ephesians, we find 4 or 5 more. In fact, throughout the Scripture, we find 25, 26, 27. You know, there are tons. There are probably more than are listed in in the Scriptures, especially today. I mean, whoever thought there would be a spiritual gift of being able to run the computer and do the stuff? But I think that's a gift of helps, don't you? I mean, I know what I do to them, and I'm thankful when it works. It doesn't always when I'm involved. But anyway, so he says, I don't want you ignorant. There are lots of different kinds of gifts. Some of you have, going to the next slide, I'm skipping a little bit, verses 5. He says, there are different kinds of services, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does work in all of us. A, listen, a spiritual gift, he says, is given to each of us so that we can help, let's say it together, each other. So, we're talking about your spiritual gift. Now, I remember many, many years ago, Leah, my daughter Leah, who was uh, probably seven at the time, she wanted to cook. Well, my wife is a wonderful cook, as you can tell, but not really that good. Anyway, Pat Harrell, Pat Harrell had a small group for children. Remember that, Pat? I can't remember what you called it, Holy Ghost Chefs or Divine, I don't remember. But anyway, she had about seven or eight little kids in her house every weekend teaching them to cook. Wow. It was a wonderful meal, but more importantly... She imparted some of the gift of hospitality, some of the gift of grace, some of the gift of excellence that's on her life. She imparted that into these little kids. And my daughter Leah, I mean, she listen, Justin, before he gave her a diamond ring, do you know what he asked me if he could do? He said, can I give Leah, it was her first Christmas, they were really just about to get engaged. He said, can I give her a special gift? And I thought, <clears throat> uh-oh. And I said, okay, what is it? I want to give her a mixer. What kind of mixer is it? KitchenAid, over 50. Yeah, one of those big deals. And I'm thinking, man, you'd have been better off to get a diamond ring, you know. <laughs> but yeah, he gave her a big gift. Why? Because you instilled in her, because of the grace of God and gift, you instilled in her a desire to do something. You follow me? And so I want you to understand that your gift may not be the same as mine. 
It may not be the same as the person next to you. Maybe you can't sing like the gentleman did earlier today. But God has placed something in you that enables you to help others. And there is no one here that is immune from that. No one here that is too far, you know, I'm not good enough, I'm not good. Not one person there is a gift. The gift of God is in you to help other people. I'm not going to expand that anymore, but I will go a little further in uh, sharing some things with you about my own life. Let's look at the next verse. I want to, uh, the next little passage here, I want to show you something. The next um, slide. Go, go to the picture slide, if you will. Different kinds of gifts. Now, this, this country, I won't say the name of it because if it's on the Internet, but this country is a place where the gospel is not allowed to be preached very easily. But because of your gifts, now, you partnered with us and helped us and prayed for us and have been doing that for years and years and years. But this year, significantly you sowed in a way that enabled us to make, uh, I made three different trips into this, this region and uh, spent more than five weeks speaking into five different house church networks in church planting schools you see on the left-hand side, uh, my, your left, yeah, the left-hand side. These are all church planters, most of them 21 to 25, graduated from college, most of them girls. It just doesn't matter. They're planting churches so fast, we're training them, and they're going out and planting churches. On the other side, I happened to be in a healing service they asked me to do, and God was moving by His grace, and we had tremendous time in that capital city. And then this, right in the the, the middle, this little caption of this guy. And I don't know if I've shared this story with you before. I don't think so, but we were, in, we were right up next to Siberia. It was so cold. The name of the city in this language was so cold. That's the truth. The name of this city. It was so cold. The outhouses, which is where we had to go for relief, I mean, it was like you just decided you didn't want to go because you froze before you got there anyway. But, but the snow was like four or five foot deep. And I just, I come from South Georgia, and I don't like that so much. Anyway, we were in this meeting, and I was speaking. And, and uh, after I was speaking, we had a time of praise and worship. And this fellow comes kind of walking to the front of the building. And he comes up to me, and I'm, I, of course, I don't speak his language, but he talks to the translator, and he says, this is a story. He says, I was, I was walking down the street. I was freezing cold. I heard this music and felt drawn to come in. I came in, and since I've been here, I can't stop shaking, and I'm not shaking from cold. I can't stop shaking. I don't know what it is, but I want to, I want to give my life to your God. And he gave his heart to Jesus right there in the midst of that meeting. Now, I, it wasn't because I preached a message, it was because of the Spirit of God. What he didn't know and what I didn't know is that right behind him, you can't see it, but his mother was sitting on the front row weeping as her son in an atheist country comes walking in and sovereignly God moved in his heart and he gives his life to Jesus. Now listen, you help make that possible. You help make that possible. But let me tell you, there's another gifting that functions in that country more than anything else. They know a lot about prayer. They know a lot about healing, about planting churches. But when I go there, one of the things that has been substantially different there than in other places is that pastors and network leaders, they come to me and they just want me to be a spiritual father to them. And I don't say that boastfully or like I'm somebody. They just say to me, one guy said it this way. We were on a flight. He and I were flying across the country together to do a conference. And he looked at me and he said, he said, would you, would you be my father? And uh, I didn't really understand the depths of that and the significance of that until the days went on. But he, as we were talking, he said, um, I said to him, 
I said, well, if you want, what do you mean by that? And we talked a little more, and I said, well, if I'm going to be your father, I'm going to ask you questions that are not easy. I want to ask you the hard questions, and tears begin to roll down his face. He said, I've been in ministry for years. I've planted churches. He said, no one's ever asked me the hard questions. Questions like, am I praying? Am I looking at pornography? How's my prayer life with my wife? We spent the next three days after the conference was over with his wife, he and his wife. His wife called him. What I didn't know was that she was leaving him, and while we were in that meeting, she called him and said, God spoke to me, and I'm going to give it another shot. You see, there's a gift. It's different in that nation than it is in other nations. Go to the next slide. Let me quickly move through these. This is another country, Sri Lanka, that we've been working in. And, of course, there's Romania. There's other places as well. But I'll, I'll talk about this one. God is, there's a different anointing, a different grace, a different gifting that comes there. Now, this year, God has been adding teams to go with me. And they've been taking different gifts in. And I'll talk about that in a second. But over on the left bottom left-hand corner here, this is, a, this is a church planter school that I'm involved with. They're out of the church Bethany World Prayer Center. This, this great church network is there, and a church of about 1,500. And the interesting thing, I, this is the first year, in fact, it was one of the first classes of this church planting school, and the pastor had this vision, and he had five students, and he looked at it. I got five students and a vision to plant 100 churches in 10 years. What am I going to do? We're going to press on. We're going to plod on. But the interesting thing about this is that each one of these men, they were either Buddhist, Hindu, or Muslim in the last 12 to 18 months. They came to Christ, and not only did they come to Christ, they gave their hearts to the Lord. They became discipled and made a determination. They wanted to do something to take the gospel back to the place they had lived and never received the message of the gospel. Up in the top right-hand corner, this is a couple that last year I prayed for, and uh, she had lost a baby, and God gave them a new baby. She had miscarried, and God gave her a new baby. I didn't know that they, because, you know, you pray for people, you don't know them, and you don't see them for 18 months or 12 months, and then there they are, and you don't really remember but it was so interesting, I was preaching and I walked out and picked this baby up and used this baby as an example of something. And then the pastor stood up and stopped me and he told me the story of how she had had this baby and they had brought her and had traveled uh, like 100 miles just to have her dedicated in that service. And we laid hands and prayed for that family. They had been through so much persecution. This particular family had had elephants. The Buddhists had driven elephants through their house. Now that's something you don't have happen every day. And I was there preaching and ministering to this in this conference. We were there sharing, and God so kindly gave me a, a, a gentleman from Fayetteville to travel with me this particular time whose specialty is working with churches and pastors in countries where the believers are being persecuted. Uh, and he was there, Brandon Hodges, you probably know Brandon, and he was there, and he did a whole afternoon session on how to prepare and how to deal with pressures, uh, violence, and different things so they could prepare and uh, be able to stand for the gospel in that nation. I wouldn't have a clue what to tell someone that said, hey, they're driving elephants through my house. I would say, well, get a big gun or move, you know what I mean? But he knew exactly what to say to them and the sovereignty of God. His gift was different than mine, and it plugged in, it kicked in, and really made a difference there. One of the other ways God allows us to minister there and uses us there in Sri Lanka because they're mostly Hindu and Buddhist, mostly Buddhist and then Hindu, 
the miracle-working power of God really breaks down walls. And, and in this one particular healing service I did, the lady at the top, she was a, a, a Buddhist lady. She came to the service, and she was at the very back of the room. We, I didn't preach but 10 minutes. I know that's hard to believe, but it's true. I preached 10 minutes, and then we, had a, um, we did a, some worship for healing. We did a healing worship time that we do there. And uh, this lady just goes into a trance against the back wall. And, uh, and, and I see what's going on back there, but I'm, I'm the kind of person, I'm determined that the devil doesn't get the glory in the meeting. It doesn't matter what happens. We're going to stay focused. And listen, in some countries, there are activities that are not like our local churches. And so she's back there having this thing going on. And then this lady over in the far right corner over here, she just comes up to me. She stands in front of me, and I look at her. Her eyes roll back in the bottom of her head, and she's down on the floor like that. And she's got some severe spiritual warfare going on in her life. She happened to be, I didn't know it, she happened to be Hindu. And so, again, we're not going to make a big deal. A lot of people like to run up and make a big, we're not going to make a big deal. We just simply pray and go on. God's got to do the work, not us. But it's just one of the giftings that God uses us with there. After the service was over, both of them had kind of gotten straightened out. That was on a Saturday night, Sunday morning. They were both in service on Sunday morning, and they came to give a testimony along with about 40 other people. And when they got the mic in their hands, they said, this lady in the right hand said, she said, for 18 years I've had this tormenting pain. I've never been without pain in my stomach. And when we started, we started worshiping yesterday, she said, this thing, it's, it felt like a big balloon blowing up in my belly and it was clawing at me and I fell on the floor and just began to writhe in pain and I couldn't speak, I was so in pain. But as you begin to pray for me, and then we, the other team just started praying for her, she said it began to subside. So that by the end of the time, about 10 or 15 minutes, she was able to stand up and she said, I want to publicly declare, I want to follow Jesus. She was still a Hindu. Still a Hindu. Had just been offering demon gods. And I want to follow Jesus. God healed her. For the first time in 18 years, she had no pain. For the first time in 18 years, she was spiritually set free. The same thing with the lady up in the top-hand corner. She was a Buddhist, and she said, I have never attended a Christian service. I came out of curiosity. I did not know my life was going to be transformed. She gave her heart to Jesus. You see, God moves in different ways. I don't go anywhere thinking, oh, I'm this or I'm that. I just go knowing this. There's a spiritual gift in me. And that means when I walk into a restaurant or I walk into a home, I don't know how God wants to use me. Now, that's important for you today because there's a gift in you. And some of you are trying to be somebody. You're trying to be like Benny or you're trying to be like Pastor David or somebody else that you have, you're trying to emulate because they've impressed you and they've made a mark on you. But listen, Christ has placed in you different kinds of giftings. Maybe they'll look like ours. Maybe they'll come out like somebody else's a little bit. But you are unique. God doesn't have a, a cookie cutter that says, chinka, 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 this is my man or my woman, only this kind. No, he looks at you and he says in the very foundations of the world he provided your salvation and provided the grace of God the gift of faith so that in your mother's womb you could be fitly framed joined together and be that unique person that today is sitting in this building that God has called and equipped and prepared to touch hearts and change the world come on church that's who you are and we're talking about giving gifts. I mean, what better gift can you give than the gift that God has placed in you? Now, listen, don't go wrapping a box up and put it under the gift and someone opens it and says, oh, that's my gift of grace. 
<laughs> Don't get goofy on me, you know. Put some money in there, at least get the gift card. But look, look, I'm talking about whatever you, and I'm going to get more into it in just a moment if time allows, but whatever you do, realize that God has placed in you a unique expression of Him that He didn't he could do it with anybody, but He chooses to do it with you. You could say, well, I'm too old. No, 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 no. You're not too old. I'm too young. No, 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 no. You see, the Holy Spirit is ageless. He's eternal. He doesn't age. And so the same Holy Spirit is in a three-year-old that's in a 30-year-old and that's in a 60-year-old or a 90-year-old. It just simply requires that we be yielded. Amen? Let's look at the next verse. Amen. Would you give the Lord a little more of that? That's all right. Yeah. Now, I want to move a little further and down to the end of the chapter, verse 31. So, you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts, the Apostle Paul says. Now, that's important. Because, listen, if the church, listen, I, we all, I, I don't know how you are, but most places I go, everybody, they really would love to prophesy. Oh, if I could just, yah, thus saith the Lord, and split their hair right down the middle, I'd be so happy. God would, whoo! I got faith for that. And some of you tried, and man, you split something, but it's sure, you know, just because you've got to thus say it doesn't mean it's the Lord. But anyway, I won't go there. That's the pastor's problem, not mine. Anyway, but look, here's the thing. We, we look, so earnestly desire the most helpful gift. Sometimes a word of prophecy is not the most helpful thing you can get. I love prophets. I love Jim LaFoon. I love Bob Watson. I run with those guys, and I love to be in meetings with them, and I'll get in line as quick as anybody to get a word. Don't get me wrong. I'm okay they were saying that. Is that all right? But I, I love for God to speak fresh rhema into my life, impart faith. But listen to me. If you're not a steward of the word that God's given to you, then you are guilty. You are guilty. Mark chapter 4, when the word comes, if it's a word from God, the thief is going to come immediately to steal it. And if you've not been praying and working that word into your life, not trying to make it happen, but giving place for God to work, then you don't need another word. In fact, many of you have not even seen the fulfillment of the first word, so you sure don't need a fresh word because you've not taken care of the old word. Now I'm meddling. I know I'm going to move on. Get the gift that's most helpful. You don't always need a prophet. You don't always need a teacher. Listen, when I go to that first country, starts with a, yeah, I don't, I love to teach, and I do a fair job in some places, at least they tell me. Laughing is not a good thing to do when the guy says that. <laughs> You're supposed to say, amen, brother. Amen. Thank you very much. Anyway, uh, listen, but when I'm there, they have, they have teachers. I remember the first time I went, they said, teach us how to pray. I thought, you've got to be kidding. Do you know where I'm at? Do you know who you are? <laughs> I'm here. You teach me. Do a thing on, teach, on, on planting churches. <laughs> are you kidding? I remember I met these two ladies. I won't go into the whole story. I'll do that another time. But I met these two ladies. There were, one was 50, one was 60. Together, they had planted 100 churches. Hundred, one, one zero zero churches. I didn't bother to tell them I'd planted three or four. <laughs> didn't go into it. Didn't see a need. But there's a gift in me that they need—a gift of faith, a gift of hope, 
gift of love. Here's what they tell me. Listen, when you come, we know you don't have the money. <laughs> it's, it's great when people say, we know you're poor and you can't come. But when God provides and you come, and God provides extra and you gather us together, it releases faith and hope in us because we know that God is on our side. And he cares about us. We need to get the gift that is helpful. The gift that is helpful. Some people, when they're crying, they just need you to cry with them and not say, oh, and quote scripture. There's a time for that. But the scripture says that those that are mourning, mourn with those that are mourning. Rejoice with those that are rejoicing. Find out what the gift that is needed and make sure you exercise that gift. Now, let me show you a way of life that is best of all. Now, in chapter 13, he begins talking about love. And he goes on through how the gift, that agape love, how it's giving and not taking. And in the very last verse, he said, or in verse 13, he says, now, these three things will last forever. Now, here's the important point for you. I understand something as a pastor and as a preacher who's been doing this for over 35 years full time. Most of the sermons that I preach, people didn't remember them the next week. Not fully. I mean, I knew they were dripping with anointing. I knew that you could smell the manna baking when I was getting that from the Father. I mean, I knew how holy and how anointed it was, and yet people didn't remember. Why? Because <laughs> it wasn't nearly as anointed as I thought. But here's the thing I want you to understand. My preaching, you'll forget. The songs that we sing, you'll forget. Great teachers, you'll forget. But listen, he says when everything else has faded away, when prophecies have faded away, when the great singing's faded away, when the great service, when the parade has ended, when the big revival's faded away. Listen, we've had revivals. We've seen hundreds come to Christ, and yet some of them faded away. But here's the thing. Listen, after all that stuff fades away and the goosebumps go back, faith, hope, and love remains that remains so here's what i'm trying to get to you is that the gift of god within you no matter what else it manifests and ministers if it's going to be really helpful it must come out of the spiritual faith hope and love let me just open that up for you just a wee bit biblical faith Biblical faith proceeds, it proceeds out of the, the presence of God. It's a gift from God. It's the greatest gift that God gives to us because if he didn't give us the gift of, gift of faith, we could not believe. We would not have come to Christ had he not given you the gift of faith. You may be sitting here today and you're thinking, you know, I'm still struggling. I'm not sure about this. I can't quite get it. Ask God. Just ask, Lord, give me the gift of faith. Give me faith to believe. Faith to believe. Because he says, without faith it's impossible to please God, but if you come to God and you believe that He is God, that He's the eternal one, and He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him, he says, you'll please Him. And you'll connect with Him. And He'll connect with and through you. And if we give a gift that emanates out of a belief, out of an understanding that God is eternal, and I speak faith into Joe's life, not because I'm something, 
or because I think Joe's a good guy, but because I know God has an eternal plan for your life. See, I can pray for someone. You can pray for someone. You may not know the end. You may not know what's coming. But remember this. God is always the writer of the final chapter. And no matter what their condition or situation is, you can pray in faith knowing and you can speak faith into their life knowing that God in heaven has a plan for them. And that nothing its in their life today, whether it's a marriage that's broken whether it's a spouse that's cheating, whether it's a, a business gone bang, there is nothing that God didn't know was going to happen. When my daughter went in the hospital, that wasn't what we wanted, but we knew in the grace and sovereignty of God that He was on the throne. And whatever come, we know that He has not forgotten our names. He knows our zip code. He knows what's going on. And, he know, and you, listen, because I know that, I can pray for you even though things may look very Difficult. You see, faith comes out of that understanding that God has a plan. Hope comes out of biblical hope, expresses confidence in the sovereignty of God that God will do what nobody else can do. That's what grace is. God, J Jerry Daly said it years ago, and I loved it. He said, grace is God doing for me what I could never do for myself. Hope comes out. It must be birthed out of that because he's the one that writes the last chapter. You may think you're headed for destruction and it may get worse before it gets better, but God is still on the throne and he still is writing your story. And if you surrender to him and you trust in him, amen. Listen, some of you here today, I've already had conversations with people today. They're at the end of their rope. They don't know what else to do. You've said to me, I don't know what to do. I'm desperate. I'm desperate. Listen, there's hope for you today because God is at work writing your story. And if you will let him write and turn loose of the pen and let him have his way and will surrender to his writing, he will change and transform you. Whether the situation changes or not, I can't say. But you'll change, and if you change, your future will be better than you could ever dream possible. You see, you try to fulfill all your dreams and desires in your own way. You try to make yourself happy, but happiness is fleeting. What I want you to discover is the joy of the Lord, which is eternal. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength, and it'll carry you through. Faith, hope, love, love. We learned many years ago from David Alzerbrook that love is, agape love, is love without a hook on it. It's not love to get, but love that gives like God gave. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. You know, there is nothing that you and I can give to God. There is nothing he needs. He didn't save you because he saw something in you that he was lacking. He is fully complete fully happy, fully satisfied in himself. The only reason he saved you is because he wanted to. He loved you. And listen, you might think, oh, you don't understand how far I am. You don't know how far I've gone or how desperate my life is. But you don't understand how big my God is. You don't understand how much the Lord rejoices and enjoys plucking you out of the hands of destruction and rubbing it in the enemy's face and saying, that which you determined would be his destruction, I have set as his, hallelujah, blessing. 
You don't know. God's writing the last story. He's writing the last chapter. Not me, not you. Faith, hope, love. When you minister to someone, when you give a gift to someone and you do it out of this spiritual motivation, that gift, whatever it is, when it speaks into their lives, love. It says, I thought about you. I really think about you. I thought about this gift. I didn't just go and it was on the end cap and on sale. It was a good price, so I grabbed it because the TV said it would make you happy. No, I thought about you. I've been listening to you. I know the dreams that you have. I know the struggles that you have. And I have prayed and I felt that I wanted to help you. And so I'm giving you this gift. And it's coming out of my heart, out of my spirit, out of my faith, out of my love, out of my hope for your future. And that doesn't mean you give them a Bible. It means you give them what God puts into your spirit. Are you listening? See, love expresses value for the person, for their needs, their dreams, their challenges. It expresses thoughtfulness and conveys to them that you have listened to and that you value their lives. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 14.1, my final verse. Let love be your highest goal, he says. You should always desire special abilities. That the Spirit gives. But especially the ability to prophesy. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about spiritual gifts. Well, let me just say this to you about prophecy. The word prophecy simply means to speak for God. All right? Apostle Paul really wants you to prophesy. I want you to prophesy. But, you know, I don't think you need to say, thus say it. Because prophecy, listen, prophecy in its truest form, of course, is speaking under the impression of the Holy Spirit and speaking about future things or about things in a person's life. Okay, we'll set that aside for a second. But listen, when you look someone in the eye and you tell them, God loves you. And he really does have a plan for your life. Now, I'm not talking about one of these cheap tracks that you get on the street. I'm talking about you look into someone's face You've been thinking about them. You've been praying for them. You care about their soul. And you speak hope into them. And you look at them and you say, there is hope for your life. There is hope for your marriage. God's got a plan for you. You're prophesying. You're speaking of the plan that God has. It's yet to be unfolded. You don't know how it's going to come. But listen, when you speak out of the Spirit of God to someone else, you speak life to them. You speak hope to them. It brings transformation. What does it do? It creates faith. It creates hope. It expresses love. Prophecy functions in love. A lot of folks try to get mad prophecies. They're gonna, I'm going to finally get to tell you what I've been thinking. and You're going to put a God's head on it. <laughs> or like, like a dear friend of mine says, I don't want to be ugly, but <laughs> then just shut your mouth because you're getting ready to be. <laughs> Listen, when you begin to speak out of this gift of faith, hope, and love, it brings transformation. Let me give you one more story, and then I'm going to close. I know I'm a few minutes over, Pastor. Forgive me. I'm going to donate a pen to you. Just <laughs> One last story. Several months ago, my brother-in-law, who is 62, he's been diagnosed with emphysema, not expected to live very long. Quality of life has been going down. Worse than that, worst thing about it, saddest thing is he has been an atheist for years. Now, 30 years I've known him and 30 years I've I've shared gospel with him in 30 years. We've prayed for him. So I have faith that God's not going to let me spend 30 years praying and not going to answer my prayer. 
but he hasn't responded. Several weeks ago, I got a call, and he was in the hospital, been rushed to the hospital in our city or in Raleigh, and uh, so we began going over and praying for him, and he didn't want us to pray. I remember saying, can I pray for you? And he said, well, if it makes you feel better. <laughs> well, it will, thank God. <laughs> and we began to pray. Now, listen, they weren't expecting him to make it through the night the first night, and he did, and they weren't expecting this, and they weren't expecting that, and every day we got worse news and worse news and worse news, but we kept speaking. We got people interceding and praying. One lady said to me yesterday, she said, she said, I am praying that God will not let him go home until he gives his heart to Jesus. And I said, well, that's a good prayer. <laughs> he may know that and not want to die. So he <laughs> but he is, you know. But in this process, he had been trying to get a scooter and trying to get a couple of different things, and nothing was working out. The doctors had written, and they had been turned down. Just nothing was working out, and it was like, that's just the way it is in my life. Nothing ever works out. If it, you know, if it's a 10% chance of rain, I walk outside, it's going to be a thunderstorm. And God, there can't be a God. He never answers my prayers. He doesn't, you know, just how people are when they don't know and they're walking in blindness. So my wife and I began to pray and we started saying, God, how can we help? And God put it in our heart to pray that God would provide a scooter and God would provide a chair. And, and uh, they're very expensive, thousands of dollars. And and I told him, I said, we're praying that God's going to do this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, something happened. We found a chair at a very low price that God provided the money for. The same person as I was loading up the chair mentioned they had a scooter in the back and that they, hadn't, they were going to sell it too. And we talked and, you know, we made a little deal. And I brought home an almost brand new scooter and an almost brand new lift chair. And this guy, who was laying there, ready to die, when he found out that we had brought that to him, God provided the funds, and we said to him, we just want to give it to you. We just believe that God wants you to go home. We believe that there's still time. We believe God's not finished with you. And here is the proof of that. We're sowing this into your future. We're not going to believe that it's over. Otherwise, we just buy a box. We're believing in your future that there's something still ahead for you because we don't want you to go into eternity without Christ. Within hours, things changed. Not only did he change, but his health began to change. And within 48 hours, they sent him home. Something they said that was not going to happen. They said at the very best, he would go to a full-time convalescent center to spend his last days. He's at home. I spent Thanksgiving with him, and he's running his little scooter all around. It's like a racetrack in that place. But more importantly, there's hope in his eyes. Now, he's not come to Christ, but I can report to you that he's moved from atheism to agnosticism. So we're, we're moving. <laughs> but you pray with me and believe God with me that he'll come to Christ because I believe that's God's best and perfect will. Listen, I've had a wonderful time sharing with you, and I love you and appreciate you, and the gift of God that you've been to us, I cannot tell you how deeply we appreciate it. And the gift you are to South Weldon, the gift you are to the Roanoke Valley, the gift you are to David and Andrea and their families, thank you. Continue to let that gift extend. Today up on the avenue, you know you guys redeemed the old Christmas parade. There wasn't a church in it, and this church decided there would be.
And you guys have done an awesome job because you love this city. And we love you. God bless you.